All right, welcome and welcome back, Towners. We're your hosts, Deanna Richey and Nicole Coleman Durden, and this is Boomtown Stories. We're amazing. I don't even feel like we need to comment on how amazing we are anymore because it's just the norm now. Yeah. You're welcome, you guys, for the consistency. All right, you guys. So um, if this is your first time joining us, we are a comedy interview podcast. We interview wonderful people from wonderful places and they tell us all the wonderful things that they do and have done. Yeah. The wonderful, the ratchet. We're here for the good, the bad, and the funny. Y'all know how I like to do it. Yeah. Look at us, keeping it tight. <laughs> it's like to fall off the rails now, though. Yeah, no, it, it 100% it's going to fall off the rails. And that's okay, you know? That's fine. That's life. You know, it's a roller coaster ride. I don't know if everybody's life is, but I know factually that both of ours are. So I'm pretty sure everyone's life is a roller coaster. A, maybe a different type of, you know, because some are real scary and some are in the kids section and it's safe there. We're not in the safe area. <laughs> uh, well, at least I'm not. You you might be in the middle somewhere. You know what? Because I, I think there was a part of my roller coaster that was very scary. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you got to get on a different ride. Babe. Yeah. You got to get on a different ride. This ain't the ride. <laughs> You're not the right type. You gonna crash this roller coaster? Stop it! Know yourself. All right, you guys. Well, we do um, a specialty cocktail each week. I think we de- definitively decided that we were gonna call them specialty cocktails because they are special. Um, so this week was Diani's choice, and I just want to say first and foremost, thank you because I have forgotten, and uh, you came back, and it's, I'm so excited to drink this. Like I'm pumped. Well, I'm glad. You know, I didn't remember though. I had to. Uh... I remember you responded so fast. I know. I just remembered that it was a mezcal drink. Then I just clicked on the link that I got it from. Then I just moseyed through and saw whatever rang a bell. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one. That's the one. Well, because when you sent the name, I was like, oh, yeah, because we were going to rename the show that. Mm-hmm. Smoke and Honey. I like it. Okay. So you want to do this reveal? Yes. You guys, we're going to reveal our drinks to each other. Y'all know they don't always match. What, what do you think the chances are of us matching this week? You feel good about it? No. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're going to taste the same, but I do think they're going to look the same. Okay. All right. Ready? One, two, three. Dun, da, da, da. Oh. Yeah. I was like, mine's a little darker, but yeah. they're very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. Um, let's do a taste test and then I'll tell you why I'm surprised. <laughs> Are you drinking lemonade? Are you drinking lemonade? No, no, no. That would have been good though. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. Sneaky. Oh boy. It was my birthday this weekend, so that mezcal was gone. Um, and I wasn't about to go back. I had a, it was a rough day today. <laughs> so I'm just using uh, tequila. Okay. No smoke. That's and it. I feel like mine is overly smoky. Mm-hmm. It might be better. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should have used less mezcal. You know, I measure with my heart. Mm-hmm. I count. I don't know. It, it, it is very smoky. I think the thing for me is, you guys, if you ever decide to make the cocktail, smoke and honey, it reminds me of a Moscow mule with mezcal instead of vodka. Oh, yeah. Sounds yeah. exactly what it, yeah. 
basically. Maybe I need more lime. I don't know. But I also used alcoholic ginger beer. I just went ahead and got it. Hmm. So that could be affecting the flavor. Like, I don't know. It could be affecting the flavor too. I'd give this a medium thumb. Um, I will medium it. It's not, it's not bad. Yeah. I don't dislike it. I like the name better than I like the taste of the drink. Touche. Well, I'm already drunk. That's fine. How does that happen? You have one sip. I've eaten a waffle and a bag of chips today. Okay. Don't judge me. What have you been up to? Um, you know, we're in the intense section of getting ready for uh, competition season. Um, I'm getting ready to go on my first judging assignment. So like trying to get all that stuff together and, and done and set up. And um, yesterday I went out for my sister and brother-in-laws. They com- they combine their birthdays every year and just do like one celebration. So we went out for their birthday. We went bowling, which I have not done in so long. And I didn't lose, which was nice for me. Um, I did not win, but I didn't lose. So I will take it. Yeah. And then we went to dinner. Actually, we, so we went bowling and then we went to a wine bar and then we went to uh, like my favorite pizza place in Fort Worth. So it was a, it was a really fun night getting to celebrate them and see everybody. And yeah. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, that no, was great. I haven't been bowling in a while. It was amazing. It was really amazing. Like I had a great time. My super competitive husband did a great job bowling. But like anytime he didn't like knock it out of the park, he was like, and I was like, remind me again, do you, do you have a thing about winning? Do you like, losing doesn't bother you, right? Uh, he did not care for my sarcasm, but I had a lot of fun with it, so. That's why I think I'm competitive or maybe I'm not competitive when I'm not good at things. Like, cause I know- You're I'm competitive bowl. about the stuff you care about. Yeah, I know I can't bowl, so I'm like- There's no point in, yeah, no, same. Where I'm like, I just don't want to lose, you know, but- I know I'm not going to win. So, you know, let me just have a good time. I would still talk some smack though, even as long as I wasn't losing. Right. Like you're going to talk a little trash. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Um, that stands up. I'm competitive. I'm trying to get out of it guys, but it's just. <laughs> it is what it is. Embrace it. All right. So, and now comes the fun. What have you been up to? Well, guys, my birthday was on Saturday. That's yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I, Friday we did a happy hour and then ended up at a little bar and did some dancing. I did a lot of dancing. I got some video of that, you guys. It was a good time. I showed that video to Taylor. It was like, okay, okay. Uh, Guys, when I don't get out the house for a while, it just, wow, (laughs) it's a little crazy. Uh, did that had some fun and then Saturday we went to a stand-up show one of my friends was taping her stand-up special exciting yeah I had a Saturday lunch as well at a fancy restaurant called Catch that was really cute Thursday I did a dinner okay I'm all all over the place but (laughs) (laughs) it's all good no one cares it's fine Thursday I went to a dinner and we did we ended up doing some karaoke so fun I'll have to send you that video too. We were, I like it. The crowd was loving us. I really think I should be some type of performer. Oh, really? You're just now feeling like that? When I came out my mouth and said, <laughs> I realized what I was saying. But, you know, a hype man karaoke girl too, though. Not just an actor. Okay. Yeah. So hire me to be your hype man or sing karaoke at your next party. I cannot sing. Oh, you guys know that. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they are well aware of your inability. But I am a performer, okay? Performer. That's what's up. Yeah. So that's it. Just a bunch of shenanigans all week. 
basically. I love a good shenanigan though. I started out, I wasn't going to celebrate at all. And then people kept asking me and I was like, okay, fine. I guess. I'll oh my gosh, fine. I guess I'll celebrate my birth. Like, Why blah, blah. obsessed with me, guys. Um, and then I had, a- <laughs> I had so much fun. So I'm glad that I, I did do something. You cracked me up. <laughs> that picture is very jazzy. <laughs> all right. Hello. Hey. Hi, Regina. Hi. All right. Well, first and foremost, we want to say a big old giant thank you for you agreeing to to do this and come on and join us today. We appreciate you. You're more than welcome. I'm excited. Well, good. That makes for a good time. Um, Okay. So this is my co-host, Diani. She's the one who had the the wild birthday yesterday. Okay. (laughs) Y'all have fun? Oh, yeah. Well, I was like, I'm in Texas and she's in California. Oh. I did go to a birthday yesterday. It just wasn't her. Wasn't her. Okay. Yeah. Funny how that worked out, but yeah. Okay. Um, so to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and kind of about what life was like growing up for you? Okay. So I'm actually from Salina, Kansas. So um, as you know, I was a, I was born in the same town with Sheila. So I'm the youngest of 10. I have roughly 76 nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yeah I have a huge family you guys um, your mouth is hanging open OMG. yeah and there's more coming they just keep coming I don't I, I want it to stop at this point like <laughs> I want it to stop but yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of us so yeah growing up I you know um I grew up in Salina it's a small town and not a lot of black people there so, um, you know, we kind of made our own community on the north end of town. Um, I wasn't exposed to a lot because Kansas, you know, there's not much there. You know, it was kind of rough having nine siblings. And, you know, my mom was a single parent, so she raised us all on her own. Plus, I've been an aunt since I was two. Yeah, my oldest sister <laughs> had a child, like, after I turned two. So it was fun being raised with that many people. Cause I had my own crew, you know, I didn't really need a lot of people. Um, cause I, you know, there were seven girls and three boys. So, you know, we, we fought a lot, but you know, we had each other's back, you know, we could fight one minute and somebody say something, then we all, you know, jumping on them. That's just how we did. And, you know, it was, it was great, um, growing up like that. But then once we got older, you know, everybody's personalities started, you know, we have our cliques in our family, which is weird, but we have clicks, <laughs> we have clicks in our family. So, you know, everybody kind of got their own life and, you know, wanted everybody to be the person that they thought they should be. And so, you know, you know how family is. That's how that that's how that goes. But I'm kind of glad now as a 50 year old woman that I was born in a place like Kansas um, in Salina. It was safe you know, as, as broke as we were with that many kids, if we would have been in a large city, there's no telling what our lives would have turned out to be. So, you know, that's, a, that's a little bit about me and where I came from. No, we're near 50. We all look the same age. <laughs> yeah. I didn't moisturize What are you? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I turned, I'll be 51 um, in March. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're looking flawless. There's not a line on her face. Not a single. <laughs> you know what? I have always liked to work out just because I am vain as hell. <laughs> I just, I, I'm vain. I'm just not, I'm not going to lie about it at this point. Um, so it's, it's a struggle. So I'm telling y'all now, stay in the gym and drink a lot of water. Because once you start getting older, whew, 
the struggle. The struggle is real. It really is. It's rough. It's I didn't rough. used to believe it. Now that I'm now that I'm getting older myself, like a, like a little older, I'm like, yeah. oh, everybody was telling you the truth. You were blessed with youth. Like, yeah, it's starting to get harder. I, Absolutely. I, yeah, youth is wasted on the young because once you start getting older, you're like, oh, I should have done this, and I wish I would have done that, and you know, it's it's you know, I used to be able to not eat one meal and lose like five pounds. Now it takes me like sixty days <laughs> to lose five pounds. It's rough. It's rough. But I work out so I can eat because I I you know I like food so you know and beer. <laughs> but I feel you. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, one of 10, I think that is the largest family, certainly 76 nieces and nephews that I think you have the largest family that of anyone we've spoken to on the podcast so far. Yeah. It's a lot. I, 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 to this day, I don't know how my mom did it by herself. Like, but my mom is a, you know, Sheila and William, you know, they know my mom, Sheila, I mean, William actually just met my mom, which is weird because we've known each other for so long, but my mom's like a mob boss. Like still to this day, we all are scared to tell her certain things. She does not play. She runs our family. And she, she used to tell people, they were like, how are your kids so well behaved? And she was like, because it's 10 against one, there's no way I can let my guard down because then they would take over. She said, I can't afford that. So she made sure that, you know, she, she kept us in line and, you know, we, we did what we had to do. And, um, and then on top of that, my mom had no epidural with any of her kids. So she had all of us naturally. So yeah, I just, I just found that out about a year ago and it blew my mind. And then I, I realized then that's why my mom was so mean. That's why she didn't play. Like she had all of us natural. What kind of mama is this? She is gangster. Yes. Yeah, my mom used to, you know, she tells us all the time when we're feeling a certain type of way about something or, you know, we say, well, we can't do that. My mom was like, I didn't wait. I didn't raise any punks. So you're going you're gonna to have to figure this out. Yeah. And she says that, I mean, my mom's, she's 83 and she, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. Cause she, she holds stuff down. She, you know, I was a couple of years ago, I was just going through something, you know, life gets so hard sometimes and she could hear it in my voice. And she said, Gina, you, I didn't raise no punks. You know, you, you got to figure this out. You can, you can figure this out, figure it out. And you so I was like, you didn't get to be a punk. You the baby. It's weird because growing up, you know, I was spoiled because I'm the youngest. So even by my siblings, but my siblings are more sensitive to some of the things I go through, but my mom, she, she doesn't handle sensitivity. Well, she's not an emotional person. Yeah. Um, she doesn't show her emotions like that. So we grew up, we didn't, you know, we're not a family that's always, oh, I love you. We're just not, it's, it's uncomfortable for us. Mm-hmm. We just started that, um, you know, recently, but my mom, she's, um, yeah, she, she, we have to thug it out. We can't, she, she does not play that, uh, you know, I can't do this. And, you know, my sisters, you know, they have one or two kids and complain. She was like, one or two kids. I had 10 kids. You mean to tell me you can't, you can't handle one or two kids? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. I'm over yeah. here with a dog barely making it happen. So right. kudos, to, kudos to everybody. 
Look, um, I didn't have kids. Um, I, I made that decision when I was younger because there was always so many people in our house. When I was younger, I said, I am not having kids. I had to babysit my older siblings, you know, kids. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want none of that. And I, I just made that decision. And um, and there's no way I don't think I've, I could have handled it like my mom did. Like, it's just too much. And, you know, I used to I never understood how she could you know, sometimes I would see my mom not eat and I would just be thinking, hey, mom, she doesn't eat a lot, but it was because she didn't have anything to eat because she had to feed us. And um, so that made me, I think that made me kind of the person I I am. It, you know, there were there was good and bad in that. Um, it was hard for me to ask anybody for anything because I'm thinking, you know, she had to work this out. So I'm going to have to work this out. And, you know, it was it was difficult sometimes, but as an adult, you see now, when you look at your parents, once you get start getting older and older, you're like, oh, that's why I act like this. Or that's why they did this because of this. I didn't understand that growing up. You know? the wisdom that comes with age. Absolutely. Okay. So what was high school like for you? <laughs> high school was actually pretty fun. You know, I went into it thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, get great grades and I'm going to do this. That did not even happen. Like, <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I, I did not give a damn about school. Once I got in high school, I started realizing, you know, oh, I'm a girl and I got long legs and I'm cute. So, you know, that took over and then boys started happening. And then, you know, I had a crew of friends that, you know, in our town, we thought we were the baddest. So, you know, we were either always fighting somebody or sneaking off and, you know, stealing their parents' cars because my mom didn't have one and I knew better anyway. But we would steal their parents' cars and go to Fort Riley. You know, once we discovered uh, military men, it was on and popping after that. So my focus was on partying and, you know, I, I didn't, you know, and going to high school where I went to, all of my siblings went there first. So the teachers would automatically say, are you the last one? You know, because they- I mean, I might be. <laughs> They gave, yeah, they gave, you know, teachers hell. And I'd be like, well, I'm the last one of my moms, but I got nieces and nephews coming next year or, you know, we're, we're never going to stop coming. So, get, you know, yeah, I was, but they always, yeah, <laughs> they thought I was the, I was the most well-behaved though, out of all of them, because I saw like my mom never spanked me, but she spanked the rest of them. So I would see what that looked like. So she had no problems out of me. Like I was a crybaby too. So I cried all the time. Like if she came near me, I just either pretend I was going to throw up or start crying. So I wouldn't get a whooping. So I knew if I, you know, acted up too much at school, it was going to be a problem. And I didn't want that problem. So, you know, I, I did, I made my grades. I did the bare minimum in high school. And, you know, there was a lot of, I didn't go to prom because it was, it was catered to white people, white kids. So I had a party at the house and my mom was gone and, you know, everybody came to my house and, you know, high school was, it was fun for me, you know, because again, I was coming into my own, but I didn't take it seriously. And, you know, I made it, I graduated, but just barely. And now, of course, I mean, those are things that I regret. I didn't have that whole high school experience like I, like I should have. I quit track. You know, I, I just, I just wanted to hang out with my friends and kind of get away from my home life because again, it was just too much for me. It was always somebody around and it was so loud and I just wanted to get away. And so, you know, I hung out with my friends and party a lot, a lot. <laughs> if yeah. If you were the good kid, 
I'm going to throw a prom at my house, but for, for people in their mid-30s. Look, we had, um, and Sheila can tell you about this, we had this, in, again, we were raised on the North, and Sheila wasn't a North End person. So her parents, she had two parents, and, you know, they lived on the other end of town. But <laughs> the rest of us was struggling. So we used to have our own Sadie Hawkins and homecoming at these different people's houses. So it would just be for black people that we all hung out together. So we would get dressed up like we were going, actually going to, and we called it, um, oh, what did they used to call it? I, I forgot what I try to remember, but yeah, we had our own Sadie Hawkins and stuff. So we would ask the boys and we would all be over, you know, at this guy named Chris Harney's house, or we would go over this lady named Bootsy's. Bootsy had, <laughs> Bootsy was the cool mom. She had two daughters everybody hung out with. Bootsy was, everybody loved Bootsy in our town. And Bootsy also was a booster. She could steal the stink off of shit. I mean, she really was that, that woman. So Bootsy would let us throw these parties and we call it the polka dot palace because it was this little bitty garage type thing in the back of this, this man's house that had polka dots all over the place. So either we would be at Bootsy's house or at the polka dot palace, just partying like Bootsy would let us have our little homecomings there, just whatever type of parties, our red lights and, you know, doing our thing. So <laughs> that was, that was our, way of having our high school experiences but in our own community yeah. so that's how yeah that's how we did that it was it was awesome I love that it was awesome you know there wasn't beef back in the day you know there wasn't a you know a bunch of females that hated each other and you know guys you know there was little fights here and there but it wasn't like it is now you know you can't just really go anywhere and you know worry about somebody shooting or stuff you, we didn't have any of that and we just you know, we made jungle juice. We drank Brass Monkey and uh, 40 ounces. And that's what we did. Yeah. And what exactly is a red light party? So those are parties that you literally, there's red lights on. So it's dark in there and you have red lights on and you just, you know, chilling and slow dancing. And, you know, th that's, those are the type of red light parties. And my sister would let us throw those on our house on, on Santa Fe is where we lived at. So we put a red light in the window. And normally back in the day, the red light used to mean that was a whole house. So men, men were actually stopping, no. thinking we were running a whole house. Yeah. And my mom happened to be across the street at her boyfriend's house. And um, we thought, you know, they was gone or she was asleep or whatever. So we had the red light on. Men were actually trying to stop. And we had to, you know, my sister would be like, this is not, you know, letting them know it's not a whole house or whatever. And then my mom found out and came across that street and went in. She was mad. But yeah, so yeah, red lights were usually whole houses, but we didn't know, you know. We just... <laughs> Cause I was gonna say, I was like, the only red light I know is the red light special that TLC talked about, and that sounded very sexy. Is this party sexier than the other regular parties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the red light parties—that—that's when you, you know, you started dating somebody at first, and y'all would just be slow dancing or be in the corner or whatever, because it was always dark in the house. Those were the type of parties. Yeah, just. just so it is a little sexy. It is yeah, a little. Chilling. Yeah, <laughs> doing stuff you didn't have no grown folk stuff when you know you didn't have no business doing it. So yeah. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. Any of my dancers are listening. Number one, you're not supposed to be. Remember that. Yeah. Number two, I don't want you going to parties. But number three, if you are, stay away from parties yeah. with red lights. Yes. Do that. Please. Because, yeah, it's, it's not going to be any good if you go in that red light party. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah.
you'll be explaining that one day and you don't want to do that. You don't want to have to do that. Show me a red light party, though. I'm going to throw me one of those. Yeah. I like it. I'm going mm-hmm. to fly out. I'm going to get flued out for the party. Yeah, yeah do that. Yeah, that was, I mean, those are some of the best times, though, that I've, that, you know, I had just, just hanging out in Salina. And we used to hang out on Santa Fe. Um, and this, there was this little place across the street from my house. We called it the Plaster Castle. They used to make ceramic stuff. We never knew what exactly they made, but all the neighborhood kids would just come and hang out there. And, you know, we would just be making up rap songs and, you know, just talking about people and, you know, going back and forth with each other till, you know, late, late at night. It was just, it was so cool. It was, it was a good time. It really was. It sounds legitimately, it sounds like a movie. Like I can see it playing out in front of me. Like that's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was something else. We, you know, and everybody like knew my mom and they'd be like, oh, here comes Al. And my mom's nickname is Bugs. So my mom would come outside and call all of our names. It's time to get in the house. And she would might come out with just a bra on and some sweats, you know, and hollering at us to get in the house. And one time we were at this party and this guy, he was in the military that I was seeing. And he, I don't know, we had broke up or whatever. And he slapped me. Um, and so the first thing I thought about doing was call, I called my mama. And we was at a party at the, it's called the, it was called the labor building. And next thing you know, here comes my mom and everybody said, Ooh, here come Miss Bugs. So everybody was like, "Uh Oh, because they knew what was going to pop off. So she came in that party and she found him. And when I tell you, she slapped the taste out of his mouth and then told him, I need you to follow me to my house. Like a dummy, he did it. And so she had this, yeah, she had this rifle and she said to him, I will blow your brains out. Don't you, I ain't never put my hands on my daughter and nobody else is going to, don't you ever put your hands on my daughter. I had to blow your brains out right now. If I ever find out that you've touched my daughter again, I'm going to kill you. And I mean it. And he, he knew that my mom meant that. Yeah. He knew that she meant it. And so everybody was like, Gina, you called your mama? Yeah. Cause she's the most gangster person I know. And I knew she was not going to have it. <laughs> I didn't call my brothers. I called my mama and she came up there and, you know, that was the end of that. She was like, no, we're not doing this. Not with my baby, we not. Amen. I'm going to call your mama the next time I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's why um, I ended up, I started being a, a really aggressive person. And just until recently, you know, I have really done a lot of work on myself. I didn't understand why I was so angry all the time. Like my first reaction to anything was, you know, to pop off. You know, my mouth was always so slick, you know, very petty. You know, I, I managed people. So, you know, if they made me mad sometimes, you know, I would, you know, be looking at them crazy or coming out my mouth wrong, talking to my boss crazy and anybody that I was with, you know, just talking to them, I was all out of pocket. And I was like, why do I act like this? And so I went home and all my siblings were there and it dawned on me. I saw all of them and everybody was arguing. And I thought, this is, this is why. I am a product of my environment. I don't, this is not healthy. I don't want to be like this. So I had to really do a lot of, you know, work to try to, and, you know, try to change that. And even now, sometimes, you know, if I feel myself getting upset, I have to now consciously take a step back and say, okay, is this something that I'm just used to? Did this person really do something to me? Or it's just the reaction that I'm normally 
I'm used to having. So let me let me unpack this right quick so I can figure out where this is coming from. And that's that's a really hard thing to do. But I feel so much better, yeah. you know, in my life now, yeah. for sure. Yeah, growing yeah. up and getting older and healing and stuff, it's a lot of unlearning and relearning things. And it, it takes time. absolutely. And you got, you, you know, y'all have a, y'all will learn so much. And, you know, I'm just now at 50. I'm just now feeling like an adult. So, so it does me, happen though. It does happen. Yeah. Like eventually we will feel like adults. Yeah. It, eventually we will. It's yeah. going to happen. It's going to, at but, some point. Yeah. I, I'm just now feeling like a grown woman because, you know, I, I've taken the time to, you know, really kind of figure out my surroundings and figure things out and work on myself. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard though, because when you're a certain way and trying to unlearn all those behaviors, 40 some years of behaviors that you have to unlearn and figure out why it happened. You know, that's why I tell people, I, t- I tell my t- you know, young ladies, my nieces and nephews, it's okay to get therapy. Therapy saved me. Yeah, I read a lot. I always have. I'm a book reader. Um, so I've read a lot. Sheila and I, you know, that's my, she's my person. So we bounce stuff off of each other and she's, we're in this process together. And I think that helped to have somebody going through that process too. And both of us figuring out, oh my God, this is why I did this. This is why this happened. This is why this, and it's shocking. It's a shock to your system when you finally see things for what they are. Um, it's it's shocking and it's and it's hard, but it's worth it. It it really is. It's I I feel so much calmer and now I meditate and I, you know, do all those things I need to do for my health and I I have to do it because you know it was rough. All right, so we were out of high school. We've had home prom. We've had the red light not ho parties. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Post high school, did you go to college? Did you start working? What did you do after high school? Um, look, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was all over the place. Um, so because I had so many siblings, um, when I got out of high school, the day after I moved to Dallas with my brother, I stayed there for a few months. I decided I don't want to be in Dallas anymore because I missed my friends. So I came back, stayed at home for probably another year or so, worked little odd jobs, but I was still partying a lot and drinking and doing things I didn't have no business doing. And my mom kind of enabled me. So I I would get a job and just get enough money for one check so I can go to the club that week and get me a couple of outfits. So I would quit or I would make up these elaborate stories and tell my mom, like I worked at a at a hotel, um, at a restaurant in a hotel. And I told my mom that they were trying to make me clean the floors with a toothbrush. And I knew that that was going to make her enraged. So she told me to quit. And I was like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. So, so I knew she was going to be giving me money. Then after, after a little while, then my sisters would be like, mom, you need to stop this. Gina needs to grow up. So when I started hearing that, and I was like, well, I guess I better leave Salina for a little bit. So then I moved to South Carolina with my, one of my other sisters, Stayed there for about a year, came back home <laughs> and moved in with another sister. So I was hopping from when they get tired of me, I would just go to another sibling's house. So finally, in my 20s, that was 22, I think, um, I got married because I wanted to go to Germany, not because I loved the person or anything. I just thought, well, he was saying that he was going to go to Germany. I was like, I want to go to Germany. So we got married and my mom was hot and she was like, 
you know, after we got married, she said, you're not going to Germany. I don't know what you think you're doing, but you're not going to Germany. And of course I didn't go, but he ended up being abusive. And um, he had moved me away from my mom and started, you know, abusing me. And my mom found out I I had to go to a, I had started K-State. I had to go to a battered women's shelter because I couldn't take it anymore. And so I went to a shelter and I was like, how am I going to tell my mom this? Because she told me not to get married. So I was like, what am I going to do? So finally I had to, cause I just couldn't stay there anymore. So I called my mom and she was so calm and she said, okay, I'm going to send your sisters to come and get you. You're going to be all right. And so the next thing I know, his commanding officer was calling me. So my mom, she told me to give her, you know, his commanding officer's number. I did. So they called me, they were like, don't you worry. We're going to go ahead and ship him out. So before he leaves, he has to stay on post. And my mom called the commanding officer and said, either you get him or I'm going to get him because I've lived my life. And the fact that he thought that it was okay to abuse my daughter, I'm going to kill him if I get him first. So this is what I'm telling you now. So she called him. I don't know all the things that my mom said to him because he called me And he used to box for the military. So he thought he was bad, but he called me and was in tears. And he was like, your mama did not have to talk to me that way. Well, I found out later that she told him that she cussed him out and said, now I'm going to go to Iowa and I'm going to kill your ugly ass mama for giving birth. She said, I'm going to kill your ugly ass mama for giving birth to your ass. And, you know, after I kill you, I'm going to kill your mama. So, yes. So I don't know all the stuff that she said to him, but that that was that so Sheila and I drove him to the airport in St. Louis and that was the last time that I saw him so I started going to K-State and that's where I met that's where I met back up with Sheila because she was best friends with my sister Tanya they were the same age and that's that's when I met William and so you know I was at college me and Sheila and William again we picked up we partied a lot they were responsible yeah they were responsible enough to graduate but Gina I would go to class and then leave class because I wanted to get high and do my thing I worked at this restaurant called Carl So Kelly's so back in the day when you went to college you would get excess checks so after you paid for you know your books or whatever you would get the extra checks so that's when we would all you know, buy clothes, go out to eat every day, you know, get, get toe up. So I was exposed to college because I didn't finish. I I partied. And so for some reason, as luck would have it, the Dean called my mom, I guess she was keeping up with me because she was, she was proud of me for going to college, but she didn't know that I was not really going to class. So she called me and uh, she said, so what's this about? I hear about you drinking every day. So you alcoholic now? And I was like, what are you talking about? My sister, Tanya, who snitches all the time. She's to this day, she's still a snitch, but. I was going to say, you sound like yeah. she's Yeah. To this day, me and her do not get along because she snitches all the time. Like she tells everything. So she told my mom, I was, you know, that all my friends were gay and that I drank all the time. That's what she told my mom. I don't know what that had to do with anything, but. That was her story. So I was like, no. And my mama said, if you're not going to take college seriously, you're going to pack your stuff and you coming back home. And I had my own apartment and everything because I was married to the dude that was in the military. So he had to send me a check. So I had my own apartment. Yeah. So I was getting a free check and my apartment was late. You hear me? And I had forged his name and got credit cards in his name. So I was always had on something new. You know what I'm saying? My apartment was lit. Wait a minute. I, I, 
Wait a minute. Is the statute up? Can we leave this? We need to bleep it out. Where are we at? (laughs) It's too late now. She can't go to jail. It's over. The statute is up. Okay. That that was 30 years ago, but yeah, so he um but that was you know he had to pay for what he did to me so you know what i'm saying uh-huh. it was what it was yeah so you know i you know i got i would i had this cooler that i i used to carry around that had liquor in it so i would just be you know driving from salina to manhattan to junction city with you know always had liquor in my car so everybody knew I always had drinks so i just i partied a lot at college at k-state and so finally, I had no choice but to leave. So I ended up leaving and somehow lost touch with Sheila William for about a year, which was weird because we were tight, tight. And then um, I moved back home <laughs> again, wouldn't keep a job. Just I, so I finally got a job, moved to Junction City. You know, I worked and my sister, Tanya, the snitch, she had um she had two kids and then she ended up having another one so I actually she had postpartum depression so I actually took my nephew and was raising him and I had fell in love with him and everything surprisingly enough and then she took him back and I, I was heartbroken so I had to leave because I couldn't stay there so I moved to South Carolina again um, because to, with my sister and my and my niece who I grew up with like my little sister. So, you know, it was hard for us to be apart as well. As luck would have it, I, I was there for a while and then ended up again moving back home. I moved back home. And so Sheila and William actually ended up moving to South Carolina. I didn't know that. Sheila found me and called me and she was like, where are you? And I said at home and she was in Kansas. She was like, we're in South Carolina. And I was like, what? And my sister had a club that was really huge. Like, Erica Badu, you know, everybody would come. So it was huge. And they were like, and I was telling them about the club. And they were like, oh my God. We got said, well, Wanda owns that club. My sister Wanda, they was like, oh my God, Gina, come down here. So I wouldn't know nothing with my life. Had no money, no nothing. So I was just like, I told my oh. <laughs> my mom, I was like, well, I'm moving back to South Carolina. She was like, you have got to get your life together. I moved to South Carolina, stayed with Sheila and William for a long time. Like I lived with them for years. And then I ended up staying here for quite a few years and then met somebody who was psychotic because that's what I attracted. Um, me and him lived together. It was crazy. Sheila and William ended up eventually getting transferred to Minnesota. I had went back home and my mom said to me, no, she, I called her. I was like, I need money. And she was like, no enough is enough they had like an intervention with me her and my sister and them and she was like you're going to come back home you're going to get you a job I'm not going to charge you anything and you're going to figure your life out we're not doing this anymore that was the turning point when my mom cut me off and my sisters cut me off and they were like no so she, well, while I lived in South Carolina, William had said to me, Gina, we're, there's a spot downtown a poetry spot you need to come you know I think you know you would like it Lo and behold, um, I was going through something. And right before that happened, like a week before, a week or two, I was with this guy and I needed to get away from him. And I was so depressed. So I went and got a hotel room and I got on my hands and knees and I said, God, either you're going to tell me what my gift is or I'm not going to be on this earth too much longer because I can't do this anymore. That's what I said to, to God. I am not lying. About a week or two later, William called me about the poetry spot. 
for some reason, and this is no lie, after I left that night, I went to sleep and I woke up and I had to go get a pen and paper. All of a sudden, all of this poetry, these words started coming out of me and it was amazing. And I was like, I was in shock because I didn't know that I had that in me and I was really good. So my sister, the snitch ended up hearing one of my poems. So she told my mom and my brothers and sisters. So that's when I moved back home. And so my mom, my brother was like, he had came home, my brother Tyrese, that was in, he was in Aida on Broadway at the time. Oh. And he said, Okay. Yeah, yeah. He said, um, I heard that you, you know, are really good at poetry. So I, I never wrote, I never had to read from paper. It always, you know, came out of my head. And so I, I recited some poems and he started to cry. And he was like, oh my God, you have a gift. And he was like, you, you need to treat this gift like a child. You need to work on it every day and, you know, do this. And he said, I want you to come to New York. I want you to meet some people. So I was like, okay. So I moved to New York and I ended up going to this poetry competition at this place called New Yorkans Poets Cafe. So that's where Jill Scott and all them went. There were 500 contestants. I won the poetry slam. I was shocked. So I won. So I, I got to go to P. Diddy's restaurant and then I went to um, some other spot that um, Magic Johnson was there. And, you know, I did poetry and at the time, again, I was like, okay, this might be going somewhere. So then that's when um, Deaf Poets was on HBO. I got an audition and I did not go because fear had taken over me. So I, I didn't, I wasn't used to anything. And I, I just thought to myself, there's no way that I'm good enough to be on here. And then what if I choke? So I talked myself out of going and I left New York because I, I, I was so afraid of success for some reason. I don't know what I thought that that was going to do to me. So I left and came back to the, the guy that I was left in the first place, which, you know, I just had a lot of childhood. I had a lot of trauma, so I didn't understand why I did all that, but I did it. And so I ended up anyway, having to leave him, but I stayed in South Carolina at that point. And I ended up finally getting a job and getting, you know, I got promoted and was doing really well. And, you know, I, I got married again to somebody that I didn't love, but his parents offered us $7,000 to get married because his mom, he was an only child, but his mom wanted me, wanted him to be with somebody like me because she felt like I, you know, kept him grounded. And she was like, we'll give you $7,000. I mean, that's now that I think about it, that's nothing, but we ended up buying a house and we was like, okay, so we got, I got married in a pair of lime green sweats yeah. in, my, in my living room. I bought his ring the day of, cause I didn't, you know, I was like, I don't, he was, he drank too much. You know, he ended up, I, he just got on my nerve, and, but I did it because I just did stuff. I, I never, I always, <laughs> I never thought about anything before I did. I just did it. And um, that was in my thirties. So I got married in my twenties and my thirties, I got married. We didn't last too long. So one day I started growing up a little bit and I was like, I'm not happy. This is not making me happy. I was struggling with my sexuality at the time. So I pulled up to my house one day and I just backed out, never went back. And I was like, I can't do this. So I called I it. Yeah, I called my, I called she my mom. I her marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't do this. So I called my mom. 
And I said, I, I went and I parked at a park and I said, mom, I just left. I can't do this anymore. I don't, don't want to be. And she was like, and my mom actually liked him surprisingly enough. Cause my mom likes nobody. And uh, she said, Gina, so th this is, this is your decision. I was like, yeah, I don't want to go back. Like I left everything. I left the furniture. I didn't get, I didn't, I left it all. I just, I didn't want it no more. So, you know, the, the streets was calling. So, you know, I had to answer. So I went, I got back in the streets. Just doing stuff. And, um, you know, I, because Gina sound like a lot like me. Like, I'm just like, no, I, I'm hearing some stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I'm, I've always been this person that, you know, I get bored very easily. And, you know, when something, when I start getting bored, I just, I'll do my mind just be telling me, okay, this that, is what you do. Um, yeah. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I bounced and um, was in the streets for a while. And then I was doing too much. Um, I, I, I literally, I started hanging out, part, again, partying, just doing me, doing too much. That's when I shaved my hair off. I was like, you know, felt free. I was like, you know, I felt like I was bad. You know what I'm saying? I was like, ooh, yeah, I like this. So, you know, I was partying a lot and, you know, really coming into myself. And so... <laughs> I was like, okay, something's going to have to give because I started doing too much. And so it was like, God was like, okay, I'm going to, I have to do something to set you down because you, you're doing entirely too much. So I ended up getting pregnant. The day that I found out I had just finished smoking <laughs> and in my high state, my mind said, have you had a period? And I was like, uh, I think I had a period in a little minute. Yeah, which was odd because, you know, I, I never not had a period. So I went and got a pregnancy test. I was at my, my homegirl's house and it came back positive that, you know, that I was pregnant. So I took two more because I was like, this can be like, I don't want kids. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. But then I came to the reality and I said, OK, this is I'm, I'm going to have to get my stuff together. So at that moment, I said, I can't drink anymore. I can't be in them streets. I've got to, because if I'm going to bring a life into this world, I have to make it worth their while. I cannot let them be um, raised like I was. I just can't. Um, Cause my, we're, we're, we're wild. My family, we're a wild group of people. So I, I didn't want my child to, to be raised like that. So I said, okay, I prepared myself. I started going to church. I got really into church. Yeah. I wasn't cursing. I wasn't doing nothing. I, you know, I was living with my friend at that time because, again, I, I just needed some place to lay my head because I was in the streets just doing stuff. So I said, OK, I got I got myself a place, you know, a nice place. You know, I got serious about my career, my job and, you know, was going to church and um, I, I got a divorce. And, yeah, it took a little while for the divorce to be final because you have to wait a year here, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that happened. And um, then I met Audrey. So Audrey and I got together. Um, we got married. It had been a while since we got married. We dated for what? Let's see, eight years. And then we got married um, in 2017. And again, I do shit without thinking. I just decided to cheat. I cheated. We got a divorce. And then, you know, <laughs> this was just a couple of years ago. We, and it was, it was rough. And so that's the point where I said, I need to stop. I felt so much guilt 
because this was a person who I finally had somebody in my life that literally loved who I was, that loved me and would do anything in the world for me and did not deserve that. But because I, I am who I am, I didn't think about her feelings, nobody's. I just was focused on me and I did it. And when I called my mom, my mom said to me, I'm not mad at Audrey. That was you. You did this. And usually my mama, when we cut people off, my mom cuts them off. She was like, no, Audrey didn't do nothing to you. I know my child. That was you. And so she still talked to Audrey. She called her, made sure she was good. And that made me mad. My feelings were hurt. And then, you know, her family was hurt. You know, I, I hurt a lot of people. And I, that's when I had to say, you, you've got to I have been a selfish person all my life because again, I'm the youngest. I felt like I had to, you know, do me. I never gave a damn about anybody's feelings, but my own. I wanted to make Gina happy, period. I didn't care about anybody else. And so when I, when I found out how much that hurt her too, it, it really did something to me. And I, you know, I moved out and got an apartment or whatever. And I had gotten a very deep depression because I, felt so guilty and so bad. And I never felt that way before. You know, I would get with people and act like I would, you know, date somebody and then break up with them and act like I never even knew, knew them before. I'd see them out and, you know, just keep walking like, what's up? You know, that's just how I did. I mean, yeah, I, I was that person. And, um, you know, I, I never cared if I hurt anybody, but this time it, it, I cared. We're together again. We, worked it out um yes because we had been together for so long and she knew me better than anybody else I knew her better than anybody else and this was something it was a split decision that I made that changed our life but I think you know what made us realize that we were going to try to do this because I really instead of saying I'm sorry I put in work at that point because I knew I needed to get some help yeah and it's you can say you're sorry all day long but until you put some action behind that, it means nothing, especially if you keep doing stuff. And I had to realize that, that um, it, it, it was me, you know, it, I, I just kept thinking, you know, why is all this happening to me? And then I thought, well, I'm the common denominator because it, it's me. And so I had to start learning how to apologize. I had to start, I had to humble myself and I even apologize to her family one by one I call and something I would have I could have never done and I called each of them and I told them because I didn't realize I affected them too because we were you know they, they saw me right. yeah and so I apologized to them and then my mom and I I had never told my mom I loved her we didn't do that and so I had to start getting I had to real figure out why I couldn't say that why it was so loving anybody was hard for me. If people got too close to me, I did whatever I could to push them away. And um, last year we had, my niece passed away and suddenly, and it rocked all of us because we've never had, we have been so blessed with so many people in our family. We have never had anybody young die in our family ever. We did not know how to handle it. And that right there made me think, oh my God, Life is short and it's precious. And I have to try to be a better person because she would have loved to still be here. And I'm complaining about stuff I have no business complaining about. You know, we had a conversation before she passed away and she was always laughing and loved. You know, she was a loving person. 
And I thought, you know, what if something happened to one of my siblings and we don't say this? So I started, I, one morning I just started sending the messages and saying, look, I love you and I'm going to make space for you to be who you are. Who am I to tell you how, how to be? And I, I wrote my mom a letter and told her, I realized why I was raised the way that I was raised. And I told her, I forgive you for whatever it is I thought you did wrong. You were broke when I got you. You, I wouldn't choose another mother. And I know that you were just a child. My mom was 13 when she got, had her first child, 13 years old. And my grandmother kicked her out and made her marry this man. And 13, could you imagine 13? And then she had one every year after that, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, waited five years and then had the next five. So she has been a mom since she was 13. And so I then understood why she was the way she was. And I told her, you know, I, I am, I apologize to you for what, if I even gave you any kind of trouble, I love you and thank you for being who you are. And so now when I talk to her, I tell her, I love her every time. When I talk to my sisters and them, I tell them, I love you. And at first it was very uncomfortable for all of us. But now, I mean, since my niece passed away, we realized you can't keep going through life like this. Like, you know, you know, even my snitch sister, she's crazy as hell. Now I do not fool with her, but oh. I pray for, her and I send her love. You know, she's, she got stabbed about seven, seven or eight years ago by her son's father. He almost killed her. And we thought that that would change her, but it did. So we oh, realized, I okay. I was going to ask, it feels inappropriate. Was it for snitching? We just found out later on, found out she's bipolar. We did not know. We knew, we thought she was just crazy, but, but she uses that sometimes as an excuse. My sister has always been since we were younger, mean, like very vindictive. And she's one of those people. I don't know if you guys have these people in your life or ever met anybody like this, but she knows which button to push on everybody. And she says stuff, literally when my sister got stabbed, it was horrible, but everybody thought the same thing. Everybody, once she was okay, and you know, a couple of years later, we all started talking and we all thought, what did she say? Which is the horrible, horrible thing to, but we all thought it because we knew she had, and not that we condoned it, you know, my brothers, when, when she got stabbed, they just jumped in the car. They didn't pack no bags or nothing. They came down here, was ready to get him. But we all thought, what was it that he was, he was peeling a peach at the, on that, at that time that he, and he, there, the knife was still there. The peach was, I guess he finally was like, I can't with you. She, cause I'm gonna tell you this, and this is the honest to God truth. There are times <laughs> I am not that I wanted to stab her myself like she is that person that can and I know again I realize now you never know what somebody's going through in their mind and she had a lot of things that happened to her when she was younger a lot of things that she didn't know how to handle and again we did not know she was bipolar we just assumed that she was crazy she just would go off all the time. She's just, she was just a mean and person. So I had to again, make space for her. I, I tell her, you know, I check on her every now and then send her a text, you know, tell her, you know, ha how you doing? 
love you. And that's, you know, that's it. I pray for her, but I, she's one of those people that I can't be around too much because her energy is just too thick um, and negative and I can't, I can't do it, but it's probably a little chaotic. Yeah. 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 Yes. And she's, you know, she sits in the dark. She's, she's never liked light. So that's kind of gives you an, an idea. Her blinds are always closed. It's really dark in her house. Um, always has been. So her mind is dark. So she keeps her house a little dark and just, you know, a kind of negative person. And I feel bad for her now knowing that she's bipolar. Um, but still I can't, I can't just really get with her. But I also think that that one of the things, you know, we talk a lot about like mental health and we feel bad for people who mm-hmm. have struggles with mental health, but people's mental health struggles affect the people around them too. Absolutely. And I was like, and it, you know, I don't Absolutely. know that we talk enough about like that, that's hard too. Like you don't have the struggle, but you're having to deal with somebody else. Yeah, it's all, it's yeah. all. Yeah, and you know, to be honest with you, I think we all got a little, in my family, a little touch of bipolar because we all like <laughs> snap really quickly and then, you know, it's weird. So I think we all probably got a little bit of that going on. Hers is just really, you know, her hers is really is really bad. So she does take medicine for it, medication for it, but when she's off of it, you can tell she's off of it. And so that's hard to have to deal with. And I, you know, I raised two of her kids. I went and when I was married the second time, I went and got them and bought them back here because they were just in a bad situation because of their mama. So I got them and bought them here and, you know, took care of them because I didn't want to see them have to go through that. But Gina, you um, said you said you didn't have no kids, but it sounds like you've had like four or five kids. Not like <laughs> yes, it's weird. And I think I took that on because, you know, they they were my nieces and nephews. And I just thought damn, I, I, my conscience wouldn't let me let them be in a bad situation. I just, I could not do it as much. And it was hard for me. Cause I, I don't know nothing about, you know, raising kids. I, you know, I did the best I could with, you know, my niece and, you know, I, I tried to, you know, steer her in the right direction and, you know, do those things. But, you know, being a full-time mom when you're more than one kid, that's a, it's hard. And when the streets keep calling you. Yeah. The streets just kept calling. I was like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, the streets were calling. So I, I realize now that the streets is trash now. I mean, there's a lot of trash in the streets. So I, I, I figured that out. Wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you step in the trash in the streets. Sometimes you are the trash in the streets. Absolutely. <laughs> I have been the trash and I have cleaned it up. So I, I've been on exactly. both ends. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, Absolutely. so um, we like to do some segments, and the first one is called Runway Rewind, and okay. it sounds like you probably gonna have some good stuff to tell us be- because you were uh, forging credit cards. So, yeah. like high school, college, what were you wearing? What was the fit? You're going out. You about to be in these streets. What do you have on? Okay, so then in college, it was a skirt. So it was a skirt and shorts. No, no, we know. Yeah. Uh uh. So this particular outfit I had, it was one of Williams, it was a step show that Mm -hmm. the alphas were given. So me and Sheila had to get right. So I dyed my hair blonde. I had this fur jacket. I had heels on because I have worn heels for forever. And that's when our bodies were banging because all we did was work out. So I knew I was fine. Now, my teeth were doing everything because then I, my, my teeth weren't fixed. So I, I had about a million and 17 teeth in my mouth, but I still thought I was fine back then. So 
I had on a squirt. I rem- oh, I remember this. And my heels and this uh, this shirt, it, it was kind of like tights, but it was a shirt. And I had my fur little jacket thing and my blonde hair. <laughs> so that was one of my that was one of my outfits. But every outfit that I had, it was always a short, tight skirt. I don't care. I feel that. I always had on a short, tight skirt, some kind of, you know, ruffle top or tight top or something. But it was always heels and a, and a skirt or squirt, which very weird. And Daisy Dukes were out back then. So I would wear Daisy Dukes in boots, you know, or Daisy Dukes in heels because, you know, that's just how I rolled. Yeah. How, how tall are you? I am five seven and a half so i'm i'm not tall tall but i'm not sure yeah also but you have like you have enough leg for that to be right so my legs are pretty long and then i would always wear four to six inch heels so everybody always thought that i was really tall and plus sheila's six feet so i always wore heels to make sure that me and her were about the same height so yeah yeah it was always it was always high heels and something very short i like that i love a short outfit Yes, honey. And big earrings. So that was my thing. Yes. Okay. Our next segment is Boombox. What music were you listening to around high school, college? So that's when TLC was out. I was a huge TLC fan Um, in high school. um, Bobby Brown, you know, that's when he was singing his slow gems. All the R&B, Jodeci. I love me some Jodeci. Oh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I loved them. Me and Sheila would bump that in her Suzuki Samurai. So, and she had this woofer or whatever it was called. So she had, you could hear Sheila coming from blocks away and we would bump Bone Thugs and Harmony. Tupac, I thought I was going to marry him one day because I was so incredibly in love with Tupac. I loved Biggie to this day, Biggie, Tupac. So Biggie, Tupac, Jodeci, um, TLC, those were kind of the the people I was listening to then. I was like, I was listening to that too, but like I was like a small child. <laughs> a small I was gonna child. say like we were, but we weren't yeah. like inappropriately young. Right. Yeah. Right. right. We had yeah. no idea what they were singing about. Right. But, okay. Absolutely. Legitimately, crazy, sexy, cool. First CD I ever owned. Like, ooh. and that was a C- ooh, that was a good CD. That was a it good, was. good CD. It was just it was. And my uncle D William is the one who bought mm-hmm. it for me. Like, yeah. Yeah, I got a CD player for Christmas. He got me the CD. And I was like, I, I thought I was the coolest. I was yeah, you had to be. You had to be. Because TLC um, was, and I thought I was T-Boss. So I had cut my hair like T-Boss. I had the um, the sideburns, you know, the the things right there. Yeah. And I had, yeah, I had them put in. And that's when I knew I was bad then. Yeah, I, I just, I knew I was bad. Yeah, I, I got a hairstyle like them. So yeah, that's what I did. I love that so much. <laughs> yes. oh that's good that's good okay um next segment is called boom worthy blurbs we need to change the name but um i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> but do you have any significant news items that like stood out for you or really impacted you from when you were in like high school college age let me think if there was something that really just I don't know, because in at that time, I'm just going to be honest, I stayed so <laughs> drunk or high that I just, the, the biggest thing that happened that rocked me to my core was when Tupac died. Like, 
That counts. Yeah. That was big for me. That was, I, I, I remember I was on the highway driving and I was listening to Tupac. And when I found out he died, I literally was crying. Like I cried, like me and him dated at some point and we never did, but well, that was you know, he, your husband though. Yeah, yeah, like you thought, was, you thought, you know, yeah, yeah. He was a, a significant, he got me through a lot of stuff. Like when I listened to Tupac, you know, I was like, okay, I can do anything. Like I felt invincible. So when he died, that was, that was huge for me. But as far as anything like political, look, I, I never, even to this day, I don't even want, I don't watch the news because to me, the news is very depressing mm-hmm. and it always puts us in a horrible light and it always has. And I don't need somebody to tell me about my life and what I have to endure every day. Like that's, that's all I see. So I never was a person who watched the news a lot or, or kept up with anything, you know, like that. So to me, in my, in my very childish, you know, immature mind, that was the most significant thing for me was when Tupac died. Like that's where I was in my yeah. life. We're all kindred spirits. Cause same. Yeah. so yeah. we, I, I will totally take Tupac's death as yeah. your, as your blurb. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah that's my blurb. Absolutely. Okay, our last thing, what life advice would you give to our listeners? I would say, feel your feelings. You know, people tell you all the time, you know, when you're depressed, you know, all you have to do is, you know, just get up and I, I used to be one of those people, um, listen to some good music or, you know, when you're mad, you know, well, just, you don't have to be mad. Look, feel your feelings. You have to do that in order to be a balanced person. So if you're feeling angry, sit in that for a minute. You know, I I tell myself now I I have 24 hours. If I, if I'm, you know, depressed, if I'm feeling depressed, I'm going to give myself 24 hours to sit in it. I have to, I have to let that out because if you suppress those feelings, it's, it's going to manifest in so many horrible ways. So feel your feelings. If you depressed about feel depressed for that day, figure it out though, unpack it, figure out why you're feeling that way. If you're angry, be mad because there's something making you angry like that you know if you want to cry cry it out just feel your feelings and and know that there's nothing wrong with that and if you are depressed or feeling that way you know as black people we don't believe in therapy let me tell you something therapy saves lives when you have somebody that doesn't know you and can listen to what you have going on and just give you an ear sometimes you need that and you unpack your own stuff yourself most of the time. But, you know, just, uh, you know, I would say, you know, feel your feelings and unpack those feelings, though. Figure out, write it down. You know why, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way. Keep a journal. I think when you write things down, it, it helps you cleanse a lot. And you go back and you say, OK, this is what was going on then. It kind of helps you think things through. But, you know, you don't have to be strong all the time. You you don't. And in this environment and this world, it is difficult to wake up every day and be positive. It's just, it's, it's not going to happen. And, you know, don't force yourself to be positive when you're not feeling it, feel what you need to feel um, so that you can, you know, move on from that and have a more productive life, I think. So that was, you know, one of the things that I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago, because I suppressed, I didn't know that my anger was just depression that had nowhere to go. It had nowhere to go. So it manifested itself into anger. So, you know, feel your feelings, unpack them and figure out why you're feeling that way. And I think that'll, that'll get you through a whole lot and, and keep you from doing a whole lot of things that, you know, are really not productive. 
This has been amazing. I have <laughs> laughed. I think I cried a little bit. Enlightened. I was scared. And then are you still doing poetry? You know, I haven't in a, in a long time. I still get people asking me. I've, I've done weddings. Um, this girl that I knew, she passed away. And I didn't know that her mom used to come and watch me do poetry. And so she asked if I could uh, write a poem for her daughter. I had never done. That's not the type of poems that I wrote, but I did it for her. And I, and I wrote it in one day. And I read it at her funeral and they actually put it on her headstone, um, some of the poem. And I, you know, that touched me in, in such a way, but I have not, I, I think I allowed life to get in the way. And I wish that I wouldn't have um, because it really was therapy for me. And so every now and then I try to, you know, just write a little bit. And, you know, now I'm into like, I have so many stories to tell. So I want to do some type of a book or like this fiction book, but based on my family. So I've actually started doing that. Um, because at, in my heart, I'm a writer. Um, but as far as poetry, I haven't done like any kind of competitions or, you know, wrote a poem in so long. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a while. Well, I, I look forward to this book and then we'll turn it into a movie because, baby, I see all <laughs> Bootsy. I need all these characters. Right. <laughs> and also, can we just say you are an excellent storyteller? So I was like, it's definitely there. Like, I feel like I can see, like I'm fully engrossed. I can see your entire life. I was at the red light party trying to convince people I wasn't a hoe. I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, y'all, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. You guys are really, really fun. So I want to tune in whenever you guys are doing any of these interviews. You, you guys are really fun and you're doing a good job. And I really, I really dig it. Okay. Keep doing it. Yay. Well, Keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That was amazing though. That was amazing. That was so much fun. Yes. She had me in tears when she kept saying, Tanya the snitch. You know my sister, Tanya the snitch. <laughs> She's like, you know my sister the snitch. And I'm like, Tanya, we know. Okay. <laughs> I want to interview all of her siblings, though. Oh I'm like, that was amazing. Like, that was just, yeah, that was I awesome. Look into that. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I definitely want to talk to the brother who was on Broadway, because... Mm-hmm. Yes. Th- those are my people. I don't know if she's going to give us Tanya this, you know, and the snitch never feels like the snitch. So, <laughs> I mean, I got a couple of those in my own family where I'm like, you don't identify as you are, but. You might get all the goods having Tanya the snitch, y'all. <laughs> no, we not. Tanya don't know she's a snitch. She don't know she's a snitch. Uh, yeah, uh, but I had a great time. It was amazing. What just happened? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> Oh, somebody's not ready. I was like, why? What is the fear in her eyes? Where is that coming from? Took me a minute. Okay, have it. So it is my turn to pick out a cocktail and I was scrambling a little. I do have several cocktails in my phone, like ready. So I'm trying to find one that I'm like, okay, this will this will work. She won't cuss me out if I pick it. Mm, I like um, and I'm going to go with a vanilla lemon drop. Yeah, I do have one called, um, hold on, where is it? It's called a Saturday morning martini and it's um, cinnamon brown sugar, pop tart infused vodka, bourbon cream and cocoa bitters. No, it's like a, it's like a, it's supposed to be like, Uh -uh. like cocoa pebble cereal, but in a martini, which sounds delicious. Yeah, you can do that on your own time. Why are you like this? (laughs) Why are you like this? Why are you like this? Pop. I don't know. You wanted to be friends with me. You tell me. I mean, after I trapped you into friendship, you decided to stay. So 
I had no choice. But okay, after I trapped you, you could have left. You, you Stockholm, opted not. Stockholm syndrome. Damn. Listeners, I'm going to go cry. <laughs> um, I love you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> My feelings are hurt. Um, so, no, that was just, God, she's highly entertaining. That was amazing. I mean, I was, like I said, scared because I identified with a lot of things she was saying. No, a little bit, a little bit. She was talking and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. You yeah. might have to unpack that later. Yeah. Definitely not going to do it right now. Yeah, I'm going to go think about some things. Um, not right now. <laughs> not right now. I loved her her life advice because that was something that I also had to deal with uh, because I was a person that pushed my feelings down and then I was like wait what's wrong why am I crying I just dropped this pin what what happened that's one I have I feel like I have to circle back to because I'll do it for a while Mm -hmm. and then like go back into old habits like I I was like I have to like continue to be like okay you're you're not doing the stuff again like you got to go back through you got to I like, that is that is some effort. It's hard because we do, we were raised to be strong black women. No, 100%. Yeah, and so we, she's totally right. You don't have to be strong all the time. So sometimes, you know, we, we hated crying in front of each other. 100%. Yeah. So all the time. Even now, I am sometimes I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like, you don't have to suck this up. You can just cry. And I then- don't like to cry in front of my husband. And I'm like, you gonna have to look at that at some point and figure out what that is, because like this is this is somebody who's like mm-hmm. you guys are supposed to support each other, and I still be like, I'll cry later. I don't want to do it right now. I don't cry in front of you. I don't want to deal with this. Mm. It's awkward. It's not. <laughs> it is a well because I make it awkward. Um, but yeah, so we've got a cocktail for next week, yeah. and yeah, we're ready to go. I love it. I'm excited. If you have any stories. Hit us up, boomtownstories at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, all the all the things. All the things. We love it when you guys do that. Comment. Yeah, just everything. And follow us on the socials. I um I have a, another batch of funny videos that I should be putting out soon. Those are my favorites. If you haven't checked them out yet, please go follow Diani on Instagram so that you can see the delightful stories that she posts. Um, speaking of delightful, this week's cocktail, where are we ending? Uh, yeah, just mid- middle thumb. I'm gonna up it. I'm gonna go ahead and say, not two thumbs up, but like a solid, like, yeah, I would drink this again. Okay. Maybe with like a little less smoke, but like, yeah, no, I would definitely. I would really wanna try it with actual mezcal. I think you'd like it with mezcal because the smoke and the honey, yes, that's the name, but they do work together. Also, I'm a little drunk, so- I loved it. Everything's delicious. It's fine. Love it. I guess that all that's left to say is until next time. Boom, baby. Hey.